Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Host Brendan Slaughter joined, as always, by recruiting analyst Jared Hollis. It's great to be back here for BeaversEdge.com. Thanks for everyone for finding us on whichever way you find us, whether that be Spotify, Podbean, iTunes. We appreciate you uh, finding the Edge Podcast. we got a lot to get into today. But Jared, uh, let's just kind of start uh, with how you're doing. How's life uh, in Georgia and how are things uh, kind of getting back to normal amidst this COVID-19 world? Yeah, things are things are really looking up. I know you and I talked about it a little bit um, <clears throat> prior to the podcast, but you know we got some things opening back up that's making the return to to normal daily life that much better. So it's uh, things are looking up here. I know there's some some good things going on there as well. Uh, so happy to hear that, of course. But overall, we're doing well, staying safe, staying healthy, and uh, you know just doing our part, trying to to get things back to normal. Glad to hear that everyone's uh, staying staying healthy, and that's the most important thing to everyone out there. And again, we continue to wish our best thoughts to everyone and anyone that's out there going through uh, this and how they're affected. Uh, we are thinking of you guys, and we appreciate uh, you finding us here at uh, the Edge Podcast. Well, let's go in, go ahead and get right in to the biggest news of the week by far. Jared, and that's the Beavers, landed their quarterback commitment of the 2021 class the big name, like, you know, quarterback, it gets everyone's attention. And the Beavers flip Sam Vidlock from Hidden Valley High School in Southern Oregon from Montana to Oregon State. He joins uh, Brian Lindgren. Jonathan Smith is, quote unquote, the quarterback of the future. We'll obviously break him down in full detail. But, you know, uh, I, I got a chance to talk to Sam right after he got the offer. Uh, he said at that point he wanted to, you know, pray about it, talk with his family. And then at that point, you know, we start to see little little tidbits. You caught up with him. Uh, some other people caught up with him, and it kind of seemed like this was the inevitable outcome. And, you know, we'll get into that a little bit more as the podcast goes on. But you kind of had to feel, Jared, that once he got that offer, it was an opportunity he couldn't pass up. Absolutely. I mean, you see it happen a lot when, when bigger schools from the, the home state jump in, you know, and, and find a guy like Sam who's, you know, clearly underrated. Had some incredible stats his junior season, and uh, you know, you know, it doesn't have a, a, a long list of offers just yet. It's a, it was a perfect time and, and a perfect idea for them to you know go ahead and throw their name in the hat. And uh, you know, from talking with Sam, like you said, it's, it was a situation that almost seemed inevitable. But as as uh, you saw on Beaver's Edge and, and our subscribers were able to see, it, this was not an ordinary flip by any means because you know he he had he had a lot of love for for not only the college. Uh, Montana I'm talking about not only the college but the state as well him and his family both so there were some really strong ties to that school this was a really difficult decision for him to make but ultimately uh, you know again like you said the home the home school came in he has the opportunity now to play you know for a power five on, on the biggest stage and uh, you know represent his, his small school and his small town uh, you know again on the on the biggest stage so something that he couldn't pass up. Yeah, it just came kind of continuing along. Let's just for the Beaver fan that maybe, you know, doesn't know a lot about him, you know, wants to know more about him. Let's let's kind of break down, you know, Jared, obviously the thing that kind of jumps out to me right away is that he's an in-state guy. And I touched mm -hmm. on it in our in our commitment analysis story. Potentially, mm -hmm. obviously, we don't know how things are going to, you know, parlay and go, um, you know, as far as, you know, many years down the road or just a couple. But he could potentially be the first starting quarterback from the state of Oregon for Oregon State since Derek Anderson in the early 2000s. Then before that, you got to go really far back to start to find, you know, those real homegrown guys. 
Oregon, mm-hmm. you know, again, statistically doesn't pump out a whole ton of, you know, Division One made ready guys, especially at the quarterback position. How big of a deal is it, you know, to get a homegrown guy as far as future recruiting goes for saying, all right, here's a guy that we plucked out. And, you know, if he turns out to have a great success, what could that do for future in-state recruiting? Yeah, no, I mean, you almost have to root for the guy just because he's from, you know, Oregon and from such a small town in, in Oregon. So it's it's automatically a likable person, somebody that you want to be successful. And, you know, just adding to, to what you were just saying uh, for, for the effects that it could have on the future recruiting. I mean, it's, it, it could be massive. It's all dependent on, you know, whether or not this pans out. But if it does, which I think it will, uh, Sam's a really motivated kid. He's really, he, you know, he's, he's going to put in the work. Uh, I think it could be, you know, a, a great thing for, for future success of, of in-state recruiting. And, and it's something that you kind of have to do as a, as a rebuilding program, you know, kind of have to go in, find those hidden gems, pluck them out and uh, make something of them. And then that's when the, the you know, the guys who are rate, ranked really high will start seeing like, OK, well, if they did this with somebody who I was ranked way higher than, then who knows what they could do with me. So uh, that's when that's when things start getting really well. And I think you you'll definitely you know see that in the future with Oregon State and uh, Coach Johnson Smith. Obviously, we're talking about uh, Sam Vidlock here on the BeaversEdge.com podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Vidlock, again, the two star currently uh, recruit from Hidden Valley High School down in Grants Pass. Let's play devil's advocate a little bit here, Jared, just to kind of get the full spectrum of what we're yeah. looking at when we look at Vidlack. It's obviously a little different, you know, you being in Georgia, me being here in Oregon, as far as, you know, classifications. How would you feel about, uh, uh, you know, what would you say to those Oregon State fans that are maybe taking pause, looking at Vidlack and seeing the numbers he put in, in a relatively low, you know, competition level? You know, obviously Sam put up some great numbers his junior year, 3,400 yards, 44 touchdowns against just three picks. But the difference between, say, 5 or 6A in Oregon and 3A, it's stark. It is significantly different. Do you think sure. there's a chance that that competition – I mean, is, is there anything to read into or does it really not matter in that regard? Uh, it's really hard to say. Again, it, it's a little bit hard for me to, to uh, say from, from down here in Georgia. But just for comparison's sake, I know of a lot of players who uh, are from schools around me or, you know, other small schools, private schools even, that are being recruited. And, you know, they're not playing the same level of competition as, you know, like a 5, 6, or 7A school in Georgia is playing. However, they still pan out. And it's not because of the, it's not because of their competition in high school. It's simply because of their work ethic and their ceiling. And that's when it comes to the coaches to, to come in and find these guys who have those things, have a high ceiling, have a strong work ethic, have the, you know, ability to, to perform on that stage. But again, they haven't been able to prove it just yet. And there's nothing they can really control because, you know, unless you're going to move, which is not entirely legal in, in high school sports, um, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's just where they're, you know, zoned to. They have to go to the high school that they live closest to. So uh, it's not his fault. He hasn't had the chance to play against any of the other big names yet or uh, some bigger schools even. But it's, uh, it's something that, again, it's the coach's responsibility. If they see something from them they like, as a fan, you have to trust that evaluation because those are the guys who, you know, lead the program that you're a fan of. So if you trust them, uh, then you trust in their recruiting and you trust in all aspects. And, and again, just uh, from looking at his stats and, and the film and everything, he's a, he's, he's a gutsy quarterback. But at the same time, he's a really accurate quarterback and, and he makes plays happen. Uh, all the way to the state championship last year, so he's definitely he's definitely doing some some big things already for that high school, and uh, I, I think 
you know, just answering the question again, uh, it's not entirely important. You have to put a little bit of stock into it, maybe. But most importantly, you just got to trust that the quarterback. I'm sorry that the coaches made a a good evaluation, and uh, whenever he gets there, he'll have the chance to prove that he can do it against anyone. Yeah, a couple things just kind of following up on that, and you know, I've got a couple examples. We'll get to. You know, why I think you don't put a ton of stock at the end of that via, you know, our very own rivals national analyst, Adam Gurney, will touch on what he uh, thinks of Vidlock here in just a second. But the player that I compare uh, Vidlock to a little bit and just the one that kind of comes off um, just uh, off the top of my head in terms of, you know, a guy who when you talk to the local smaller levels, you know, you, you, you get into, you know, the Southern Oregon, you know, media or whatever that say, oh, okay, this Vidlak guy, he's good. You know, he's kind of a, a gem. The way that I remind I, that I remember that as far as an Oregon State recruit goes was Jordan Poyer, who now obviously is one of the you know top safeties in the NFL for the Bills and, you know, is set to have a pretty good year with a, a very talented Bills squad also teaming up with former mm-hmm. Beaver Isaiah Hodgins, uh, another reason to root for the Bills this year. Um, but Poyer came from Astoria High School, which at the time was a 4A high school, you know, just a, a notch above um, where Vidlak is in 3A. I believe there's still 4A, can't uh, say for certain, but a small school where Jordan Poyer played both sides of the ball. He was a quarterback and played, you know, a little bit uh, secondary defensive back, but an under-the-radar guy. Everyone's like, what's this Oregon guy? He's, you know, crushing opponents on tape, so to speak. Once he got to Oregon State, though, you realized, like you said, that his work ethic was there and that Oregon State had found a, a hidden gem in Jordan Poyer, arguably is one of the most uh, uh, celebrated Beavers in recent memory just for his toughness, his defensive drive, and, you know, all those things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I just kind of look at, you know, the small schools in Oregon, those guys have a chip on their shoulder. They want to prove they can succeed at, you know, their in-state school. And to be honest, uh, you know, I remember Jordan Poyer had a particularly uh, – um, you know, kind of get a little bit more ramped up when he played Oregon because that was the other team from the state that he maybe grew up wanting to, you know, dreamed of receiving an offer, just like anyone from the state of Oregon probably dreams to receive an offer from Oregon or Oregon State. And the same could go to Vidlak, you know, those guys that have the um, the local flair. Uh, the Civil War always means a little bit more to them. So that's, that's a really cool thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching, you know, what he brings to the table. And you know that uh, he's going to be a guy that we want to get you know, practice nuggets and reports on just as soon as he gets to campus. But we'll wrap up Vidlak. Uh, just kind of take me through uh, what Adam Gorney told you about uh, Vidlak, our rival's national analyst, uh, and what he thinks of him moving forward. Yeah, so again, you, you already mentioned he's a two-star guy right now. Um, according to according to Gorney, who, who does have some say, uh, a fair amount of say even in uh, in the rival's rankings, he, he should expect to see a bump. Uh, in this next recruiting evaluation period, whenever it may be. Um, so that's obviously good news for, for Oregon State fans and for the class of 2021. Uh, you'll see you'll see the rankings go up uh, as Sam gets that bump. And even for, for Easton Mascarenas as well, I know you and I have had this conversation, but Easton's a guy that, you know, even even with him having, you know, the three-star rating that he has, there's so many people that, that think he out, has outplayed even that uh, by, by shot. So there's definitely some room uh, that, that you could see, you know, this class take a big step forward. Uh, but for, for Vidlak's sake, you know, he's, he's Adam Gorney had some high praise for him. Um, he, 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 you know, mentioned that he does take a little bit of risks here and there, but at the same time, he, he's got a strong arm, got a really accurate arm, 
And uh, ultimately, you know, the main thing that I took out of it was, again, that 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 little piece where he said he could, you know, receive a bump. So don't put too much stock again into that two star rating just yet. And even if he was to stick at a two star, there's a, a long list of two star recruits who have, you know, made it to the NFL and further. So there's a nothing to be worried about here. Again, got to co- trust the coaching staff evaluation. And uh, I think you're getting a really good player in Vidlac. So uh, just you got to wait and see. Yeah, no doubt. And again, uh, make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com for continuing stuff on uh, Sam. And again, check out this weekend as I'll have a behind the flip story talking about how the Beavers were able to flip him from Montana to Oregon State. And uh, we'll go ahead and use that as our next segue into our next topic. Uh, Jared, let's go ahead and just touch on uh, some news that broke last night was the Beavers uh, grabbed a preferred walk-on, uh, a defensive back. We don't know a ton about him, but again, another uh, another body for Blue Adams to have in the secondary. Yeah, so they they, they added a, a PWO last night. He's a, he's a guy that, you know, was getting some looks from from a few different schools um, as a senior. So he's, he's, a, he's a guy that you, you know, can get excited about. Of course, you know, you, PWOs are somebody that they, they've got something to prove. They're going to go in there. They're going to put in a, probably just as much work as anybody else, uh, maybe even more. You know, you have to have a lot of respect for the PWOs. Uh, but he's he's going in there 2019-2020 season as a senior. He had, uh, I think it was somewhere around 37 tackles. So not not a guy who's, you know, as a defensive back, that's not a bad number at all. He's got a few pass deflections as well. Uh, decent size, is six foot 175, uh, according to Max Preps. So he's a, he's a guy that's, you know, got some potential for sure. And uh, will, again, be somebody that you got to just wait and see to see if they pan out. But if even if they don't, you know, nothing lost too much. You know, he's not on scholarship just yet. Of course, he'll have the opportunity to earn one. But uh, as of now, you know, just a guy that you got to wait and see. Absolutely. And again, for continuing coverage on, on him and everyone else uh, that's still, you know, being recruited and joining, you know, looking into the fold right now, uh, make sure to keep it locked to beaversedge.com. We'll go ahead and transition over to the next bit of news, which is, as far as Oregon State goes, a massive first step was taken uh, on Friday as Benton County became one of the 31 Oregon counties that were approved for reopening uh, by Governor Kate Brown. The only three uh, in the state uh, that are currently uh, not open would be the ones surrounding the metropolitan area, Multlama, Clackamas, and Washington are the ones that haven't even got to that level yet. But nevertheless, businesses are now able to be reopened under strict conditions and you know under those conditions we'll go ahead and read some of them out there for what phase one looks like for those of you that are wondering what phase one might look like um the oregon health authority guideline for those businesses mean they need to implement physical distancing measures increase physical space between workers restrict any use of shared items or equipment require disinfection of equipment reinforce meticulous hand hygiene consider staging uh, additional hand washing stations so on, so forth. As this relates to Oregon State, we'll see exactly what's going to happen. But Scott Barnes, Oregon State Athletic Director, many others have kind of hinted at, you know, this kind of phase one, maybe phase two. We're not entirely sure when like individual self-driven, self-paced workouts at the workout facility will start to be allowed. We'll get official confirmation when we can. But based on this data, you know, things being able to open as long as the physical distancing measure, measures, excuse me, are in place, it sounds like we're on the path of at least getting those guys back into their equipment rooms and getting them back in with the strength and conditioning staff, albeit on a very physical six feet away distance, it's still a step in the right direction. 
Absolutely. I mean, it, it was great news even for me to hear as someone that doesn't live there. You know, of course, I'm super happy for all the, the people there. And uh, it's uh, something that, you know, as much as, you know, we, we've gone through this, it, it needs to be done. You know, you got to you got to do what you got to do to, to, you know, return to normalcy. And if that's opening things up in phased openings where, again, there's strict guidelines as to what you can and can't do, then that's what you have to do. You know, as long as people are staying safe uh, and, and, you know, practicing the, the proper stuff that they need to do to, to keep everyone around them safe, then there's no reason why you can't, you know, start slowly opening things back up. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to see great success with all of this and uh, things will be able to, you know, again, return to normal as fast as possible. But this was a great first step uh, towards that yeah. for sure. And again, one thing that I also want to touch on, we've actually uh, talked about it a little bit on the, uh, the radio show that I'm a part of here on Rip City Mornings with Dan and Nigel here in Portland. But uh, an interesting thing this week is that a clip uh, from Kate Brown's press conference last week from, you know, I believe it was a sports reporter asked about, you know, what are you, you know, what are you trying to do for the, you know, the football teams? Football's trying to get back in September. And the notion was laughed off by Kate Brown and her health secretary. And again, that's all a, a Googleable clip. And um, Steve Mims of the Register Guard has that on his Twitter accounts where I found it. And this week, we've had Jonathan Smith and um, Peter fans might give me a little scoff, but Mario Cristobal as well have gone on Pac-12 webinars this week. And each time they've been asked about that, just kind of like, this is your livelihood. Do you consider it to be a laughing matter? And for both of these guys, both Jonathan Smith Coach Cristobal, very, you know, stoic and professional in their responses. But you can tell it definitely rubbed them the wrong way, um, just in a sense of kind of like they don't, you know, they both said they don't consider it to be a laughing matter. And that's where it's kind of like the, I guess, the uh, the miscommunication, lack of communication, lack thereof is kind of, I'm assuming, been frustrating for many, many people. And that's where it's kind of like, you know, we all have to just kind of do what we do and continue to you know, keep a positive mindset through this whole thing. But uh, I'm sure, you know, when you have so many different people and so many things going into decisions or what you can do, what you can do, I would imagine that, you know, for guys like the two I just mentioned, head football coaches in the state, it is very stressful, very hard. And, you know, for someone who, you know, dedicates their life to that, I, I could understand where there'd be a little bit of uh, uh, remorse uh, coming from, you know, the state in that regard. Absolutely. I mean, we're definitely in two different spots with me being in Georgia and you being in Oregon. I feel like, you know, obviously things have moved a lot quicker here. I'm not going to say whether it's for the better or for worse because, you know, until we, we don't start. Know. We don't know. Yeah, I we don't, don't know. You don't know yet. So I, for, for now, I'm just happy that at least here things are, you know, kind of normalizing a bit. And uh, seemingly they are uh, where you're at as well. So hopefully that will continue. But as far as football goes, man, I mean, it's, it's so hard to say right now and it, it sucks because obviously the the announcement was made regarding you know no sports through september um so that was obviously super weird see and i had a, actually had a question for you that i never asked you uh you know I, I don't even know if you'll know the answer to this but say, let's just say that over the summer there's a and, and you know hopefully this happens but it's maybe a little bit of a shot in the dark but let's just say theoretically speaking there was a you know a decreased number of cases you know, you know, good enough to, to maybe start opening some eyes a bit, even on the, you know, the, the state boards and stuff like that. Is there a chance that that could be revoked in order to, you know, open things back up as normal? 
I don't think so. And that's just based on the language of, you know, we talked about it before the podcast started. The way that I've been telling Oregonians, and, and as you mentioned, every state's different. So you're kind of like making the best situation out of what your governor and, you know, their local health officials are doing, right? So there's obviously better governors and there's some that, you know, haven't made the greatest decisions. And, you know, be that all as it may. For Oregon, the situation that the language of that bill reads it is that, you know, phase three, which is, you know, concerts, football games, you know, things like that where people are, you know, sardine packed together. Oregon doesn't see that as a possibility until there is either a treatment for COVID or a vaccine for COVID. So with that being said, I've kind of told, you know, people that have been asking me about it is, you know, from what I see. You know, things can obviously change. And I think it's I still think it's a bit premature to call something uh, many months down the line. But at the same token, you know, I'm not a position to make those decisions. And above all else, I want people to be safe. And that's my number one priority is, you know, obviously I'm a sports guy. You know, I live for sports. I live for Beaver's Edge. I live for, you know, uh, Rip City Radio. But at the same token, you know, I, I know that there's some real issues going on and we need to do this properly to make sure that, you know, as we mentioned, there's not a, a, a spike in cases again. You know, we could even see this winter. But uh, that's where it's kind of like, you know, I, I'm placed, you know, for better or for worse, I'm placing my faith uh, into those, you know, like Dr. Fauci, those in the CDC um, that keep saying that, you know, as long as things continue, we could see a, um, a vaccine that could be, you know, effective and used by, you know, September, October, November, December, anywhere in that range, you know, that's what I'm hoping for, you know, to have fans back in stadiums in Oregon, because, you know, Kate Brown made that stance pretty clear last week. And, you know, it certainly frustrated a lot of people um, that there weren't going to be sporting events through at least September. And that's where it's like right now we're talking about September. Two, three weeks from now, they could bump it and say October. And then, you know, we're in a whole different situation. So, you know, I think the, the the notion of playing games without fans, I think it's growing more and more realistic by the day. And while that would be a, a very unfortunate step to have to take, if it meant getting college football back on the field and, you know, for Oregon State, you know, to make all their athletic, you know, department programs solvent for this next year, they need to play. You know, all these schools need to play. Obviously, the fan attendance and that money at the door um, if lost, it's a huge chunk, but it doesn't even come close to what you get from your TV contracts, right? And playing those games and what it would cost to simply not play a season, which is why no school in the country has even looked into that possibility because it's it would be economic suicide to not have college football this season. That's where I think there will be measures, and I think there may even be some states that have fans way sooner than others. But I do believe we will have Oregon State football this year, and you know, uh, we just have to continue to, you know, do our best to be respectful of what the governor and her health officials do decide, regardless of whether we agree or disagree. Because as I've told people, you know, that are frustrated with it, you know, one person, one opinion being frustrated with that decision is not going to change it. You continuing to do the best social distancing that you can do and, you know, minimizing your risk will help. So the ball is still obviously a lot in the court of, you know, the people in the state and states and, but, you know, as you noticed, and I talked about a few minutes ago, all but three or four counties in Oregon are, have applied to be phase one reopened. Does that mean we're going to see people go out in droves again and go out and, you know, do things? Maybe, you know, Oregon kind of really opened up for the first time today uh, outside of the county that I live in, in the Portland metro counties. 
So it's definitely going to be a really interesting thing to keep an eye on, especially, um, you know, test numbers, all those kind of things. But, uh, you know, going back to our original point, um, it's definitely a huge plus that Benton County has entered phase one because after, I believe it's two weeks of good phase one reporting, there's no uh, increased spike, then they automatically enter into phase two. And by the time you're in phase two, you're getting closer to the ultimate phase three. So, you know, uh, it's all about the, the steps and, you know, sometimes you have to walk before you run, but, uh, you know, just keep on uh, supporting and doing the best you can, because I do believe we're starting to turn the corner and, you know, uh, eventually we will get back to what life used to be like. So crazy to even say that, but you said it well, I mean, you said it really well, you know, somewhere in the middle there, these are the people that you know, were elected by, you know, maybe not have been voted on by you, but were elected by your peers. Uh, so for that reason, you have to, you have to respect these people and, uh, they're in a, they're in a tougher spot than, than any of us having to make these decisions. Um, so, you know, whatever they decide, even if you disagree with it, there's really nothing else you can do, uh, except for, you know, just listen to it and you do, do again, do your part and hope that, you know, things will, will go the way you want them and everybody wants them to go soon, which is obviously returning to a, uh, to a normal life. And we'll go ahead and uh, transition Tana, to a, a bit more of a, a fun way to close out the edge podcast as we wrap yeah. up Vidlack yeah. and talked a little bit about uh, um, breaking down, you know, what's up with Benton County, Jared, I know you're not a TV guy, so it's not a good idea to ask you what TV shows you've been getting caught up on. Tell us, what have you been doing just to kind of pass the time? Because I know, I know you work and you got, you got a, a, a tough uh, deal going on as you're you know, attempting to be a real estate broker and everything else. What have you done for fun in your free time? I, I got to know, because for me, it's been a combination of, you know, uh, Netflix shows. You know, I finished Tiger King. I just finished a new show called Hollywood on Netflix. I thought it was good. Uh, I've been playing a little my career in 2K when I get some free time, <laughs> but uh, what, what have you been working on, Jared? What have you been doing to stay, to get away from work? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I'm definitely, again, not a TV guy. I just, if I watch something, it's usually on YouTube. I'll go back and watch, especially in times like this, I'll go back and watch an old football game or something like that on YouTube. Um, so I don't watch much TV. However, you know, I still hear about all the show, the Outer Banks, the Ozarks and stuff like that. And uh, Great shows. Terrific shows. Yeah, yeah. You might have you to know, get into one of them one of these days, my man. Uh, you got to do one for the people. One for the people. I'll probably I, – I say this and, and take this with a grain of salt because I, I would – it probably will happen, but it probably won't happen at the same time. <laughs> really hard to say. Again, I, I talk about the Outer Banks and the Ozarks all the time with people because, again, everybody around here, everybody everywhere is watching those shows. Um, and even even my parents, you know, were like, have you watched any of these yet? I'm like, nope. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> And my dad, you know, my dad's a really avid fisherman, and uh, yeah. I don't know if you do this, but out a here, a good in Georgia, fisherman too, folks. I can I can confirm this. A good fisherman at that. Have have uh, have Jared's family take y'all bass fishing. Yeah, if you if you're down here, we'll be happy to go. We'll be happy to go with you. Or if you'd want to come down, bring it on. Um, but it, anyways, out here in Georgia, on Lake Lanier, actually is where Ozark was filmed. I don't think a lot of people wow. know that. So no. we've been. We'll go fishing on the weekends, and, and you know we call it Ozark Point because it's the house that that you know most of the show is filmed at is right here on a point on the lake where you can no see. No way. It. Yeah. So I didn't and even know that. That's, that's, amazing. that's amazing. Yeah, it's actually a really good point as well. There's a ton of fish out there. There's a lot of like brush piles and whatnot. So we'll go out there and fish it, and 
you'll have probably within the time we get there and the time we leave, you know, depending on how weather Biden would be 30 minutes to maybe an hour, we'll probably have a hundred boats come behind us. Hey, is this where they filmed those art? We're like, <laughs> we thought about stepping aside to our back, just saying, yes, this is where they filmed those art. So people wouldn't have to ask, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool because a lot of this stuff was filmed down here. So, I mean, not nothing out of banks, but Ozark was, so I should probably get into it. But to answer the question, uh, I've been doing that, I, I, you know, fish on the weekends, uh, you know, thank God. Now the gym's open. I'm able to do that. <laughs> I doing the, the yeah. Doing the work that I have to do for Beaver's edge. Uh, and then, you know, playing some war zone here and there, obviously there trying to, to stay in touch with the friends, you know, via that. Uh, as much as I can, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll talk and communicate through that. Uh, so, so are you an are you an Xbox guy or a PlayStation guy? So I have a actually I have a PC that I play on. PC, okay, really shaking it up. I like it. Your house, <laughs> yeah. the PC fam, y'all. I like it. You used to have an Xbox, but now 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 we're on the PC grind. I, I got it uh, probably eight or so months ago to uh, for work purposes. I just wanted to have like a good personal computer to have at home, and uh, I knew that I played those games every now and then, and it was only a few, few extra bucks. So I was like, you know why not? Yeah. So I got it. It's pretty nice, you know. I'm able to do that. That's that dope. stuff. Yeah, it's it's cool. But that's to answer the question. You know, that's what I've been doing, trying to chill out. And uh, you also got a bike. If you don't have a bike, get a bike. It's a great exercise. <laughs> this goes to everybody listening to this. Get a bike. Great ex- exercise. Way better than running, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. But I'm not a good runner by any means necessary um so if you want to if you want to try to get some exercise and strongly recommend getting a bike it's it's a lot it's it's fun and it's not the hardest thing in the world so so try it out that's what i've been doing it's it's funny when you mention you're not a good runner you know i think that's the exact terminology that i used a a couple spring practices ago Uh, i want (laughs) to say it was like the end of spring and uh, D. Ray, who's uh, at Oregon State right now and uh, former uh, recruiting, I forget what his title was, recruiting director Vince Ginta, uh, who was there at the time. And we were, and the guys were just running stuff after practice. And I remember Vince came over and he was like, yo, Brendan. I was like near a couple other media members and I forget who was with me at the time. And they go, we're going to get this, this media 40-yard dash going. And I was <laughs> like, I looked at him and I was like, yeah, no, I'm not a runner, fellas. So, like, I'm assuming that'd make your blooper reel. Like, you don't want none of that. <laughs> yeah, I don't run either. I, I could do a sprint. I could run a 40. I, if I am going to run, that's what I'm doing, just sprinting. But as far as, like, long-distance jogging or anything close to that goes, <laughs> you will not catch me doing it. Uh, just not good at it. I mean, I, I maybe could get good at it, but for now, I, I just – it makes me feel – horrible because I'll, I'll i'll look at a, a road that doesn't seem that long and then i'll get half down and i'm just huffing and puffing so yep. it's it's not something that i'm good <laughs> yeah and and you know like i said we'll go ahead and wrap on this uh, that is so cool that uh, you and your family get to fish that ozark spot you will have such a better appreciation for ozark uh, and that spot once you watch it because i mean i couldn't even tell you how many uh, dramatically uh, horrific and exciting things have happened on that little plot of land uh, in three seasons oh. that you've been watching. Um, but again, I'm going to give you some peer pressure because the peer pressure that I took from co-hosts or people around me for the better part of two and a half months to watch Tiger King finally just you know <laughs> went over and I watched Tiger King last week. And I loved it, right? So I'm going to peer pressure you the same way, Jared. Okay. I'm not putting a timeline or a date on it. But you need to watch like the first or second episode and see if you're intrigued to 
continue on. And and I think you should go from there. Okay. I, I mean, I can definitely do that at the very least. Maybe by the next podcast, I'll have a uh, – you know, and, and from what I hear, the, the people that do watch it, they're like, I watched one episode, and the next thing you know, it was the next day I was done with season three. So maybe I'll be one of those yeah. people, and by the next podcast, yeah. we'll have a conversation. Yeah, I don't want to, uh, like I said, I don't want to uh, throw off any edgers, but I can, uh, I will self-admit that when Ozark season three dropped, I think I had it finished in about forty hours. Give it. <laughs> That's pretty just good. Because That's pretty I just good couldn't, in- I couldn't stop. I mean, it's like you get those. Netflix is great, man, and those, you know, in the sense of those shows that don't need commercials and you can just binge and, you know, to be honest, I'll leave you with this. I know uh, Jared's not going to give me any love, but. That's why I said for a while, if it had been done, if they could have put all 10 of the Jordan documentary parts together, <laughs> you could just binge it. It'd be amazing. But no, we got to wait until this Sunday for the final two episodes. And for everyone out there that's listening to the Edge podcast, give our man Jared Hallis a little bit of a hard time because this guy has still not watched the Jordan documentary. I don't know very many people in the sports world who has not watched it. Is that I'll leave you with this question. Is that you being a LeBron guy solely or you just don't have a desire to watch it? Um okay. Admittedly, I'd like to watch the show. I would like to just see, you know, a little piece of it, I guess. But at the same time, I, I it almost feels like a brainwash to me. This whole thing feels like a brainwash because there are so many guys highlight tape and expecting people to just be like, Yeah, he's the GOAT. Obviously, he looks great. In a highlight tape. And, of course, this is nothing against MJ. Great player. I'm not going to say he's a better guy off the court. I don't know him off the court. Obviously, a great basketball player, though. Second best of all time. So, he's he's obviously he's done some great things on the court. I'll, I'll, I'll meet you in the middle, Jerry. I don't disagree with you. From what I've watched, LeBron James is absolutely 100% undeniably a better person off the basketball court. What I've learned from this documentary MJ is one of the most self-centered athletes I've ever had a chance to kind of see. And he was obviously before we were born for the most part. But now that you go back and you see all this behind the scenes stuff, he was like the best way I describe it. He was the same kind of teammate that Kobe was up to about the 10th power. So, you know, like the sense that Kobe be really hard on his teammates and, you know, that led to, you know, Kobe Shaq breakup. I think Jordan to the 10th power. Right. And, you know, to the point where I learned this is just mind boggling. If Jordan's ego wasn't big enough, I learned that they wouldn't let him or Jordan would not let the documentary crew come into his own house to shoot. They had to find three different residences that looked like a place Michael Jordan would live in just to shoot it because he didn't want him shooting him in his real house. Wow, that's insane. I mean, Did you say how that? Do you fo- put it on Netflix? Say that again. Did you say they were going to put it on Netflix? So outside of the United States, they're already on Netflix. I think until uh, ESPN finishes uh, the broadcast of the last two. So I think after this Sunday, Netflix in the United States will pick up all 10 episodes. But if you live outside of the U.S., man, that's been like the greatest thing ever. Because like an hour after it's done airing on ESPN, it's on uh, Netflix and every other country in the world that has it except the United States. So, uh, yeah, I mean... All in all, was 10 parts a little excess? Oh, absolutely. But the filmmaking aspect and being able to see the behind the stories, like, you know, at this point, MJ's kind of getting a little, a little sore on me. You know, you kind of like, okay, this guy's, you know, disrespected Clyde Drexler. 
And for me, being the Bieber fan, or you know, being kind of the the Bieber fan that I was as a kid and growing up with, you know, my first impression of Oregon State basketball being Gary Payton, watching MJ throw straight shade on the glove, arguably the greatest defender at the point guard position ever. I'm just kind of like, okay, fam. I, I, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, all right, M. You know, you you need to think you're the best to everyone. Like, whether it didn't matter whether it was winning at golf, winning on the court. Winning at you know throwing quarters against a wall, MJ just, wanted to beat MJ said, wanted to beat you in every part of his life. Every part just, of his life. that's what this whole documentary feels like to me. A way for them to and that's the, the whole quote from the his agent where he was like, "If you watch this documentary for like ten minutes and still don't think he's the best player to ever live, then like you're blind." He said something along the lines <laughs> of that. And I'm like, to me, it just seems like they're trying to win everyone over. And I'm like, if he's truly the best, you don't need to do that, man. Just just let it be. But, I mean, again, I also see the side of it where you want to, you know, have those behind-the-scenes looks at, at all the, the crazy stuff that happened. So I get it. But, as you mentioned, big LeBron guy. Uh, I'm sure there will be a LeBron documentary one day and hopefully a Kobe one as well. Um, and we'll be able to, to watch those. And, and, and those ones I will watch on time. But this one I might have to wait for Netflix. And even then, I might still not watch it. Either way, we'll figure it out in the future. And uh, – <laughs> But it, regardless, yeah. it's LBJ till we die. You know, I, it's like I said, I live for a couple moments in there. And maybe this will intrigue you as, I, as we leave with this. The moments that intrigued me the most have been when Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr got in, on, got in a fight at practice. That was recently just talked about. Second, Dennis Rodman, Madonna, Carmen Electra, the whole... Oh, man. Dennis Rodman. The Dennis Rodman episode is worth watching almost as a standalone just to learn about how crazy uh, the worm was when he was, you know, uh, winning his titles and how successful as a player he's been. But, uh, yeah, the behind the scenes stuff, seeing the locker room footage, all that stuff is stuff that we, you know, take for granted now in 2020 because, you know, you got to do Twitch living, Instagram living, live tweeting with video the second out of the locker room. Back then, not so much the case you know you had your you know local tvs you had your reporters but stuff wasn't breaking you know instantly you weren't hearing you know instant stuff right away he wasn't in the social media era so yeah like you said for that regard i see uh um them trying to win over the younger generation i have uh, a 15 year old brother who has not watched any part of it doesn't have any <laughs> desire of it he's a big Good sports time. fan he's just kind of like you and he's just like you know lebron's my guy Right. And that's where I think I'm lucky enough to be old enough that the year I was born, MJ still won a title. So I'm technically still old enough to remember or to be able to be in the realm of MJ. And I think it's different. You know, my, my brother was born in 2004 and that's the greatest basketball player he's ever known. So I, I, I agree with you. I think it's interesting. But nevertheless, the flip, the antithesis of it is, I don't know where we would have been if they didn't move that documentary up. It's been averaging, I think, about 8 million viewers per night. So them working hard to get that moved up. And I think, if I remember correctly, it was your man, LeBron James, that went on Twitter and was like, we need this doc. We need this doc to get you know airing and start happening you, you know, know, now. And then crazy. it was like two weeks later that they're like, oh, okay, let's go to the director. Let's get him to finish everything. And to this day, I will never forget when episodes one and episodes two aired, which was, I think, beginning of uh, or middle of April. Uh, I think it was when the first one aired. Episode five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten were not even done. So 
credit is given to that director, that filmmaker, and that crew because they gave us something to watch uh, in a desperate time of need for all of us. Just adding to that, one last thing. You, you see LeBron again. He tweeted that. And, and throughout all these episodes, as they're live, you'll see him tweet stuff about what's going on, you know, just giving MJ all the compliments in the world. And I just can't help but think if the roles were reversed and this was a LeBron documentary, I just don't think that MJ would be behind the bluebird tweeting all these great things about LeBron. I just don't no, see how. No, I no think way. I, I, early, I agree. He wants to protect himself as much as possible. And, and that's the thing, though, is like MJ is such a private person. I mean, Jared, the crazy thing about this is that they've, like I said, they've sat on this footage, most of it, since 1997, because Michael did not want it released. I mean, you're talking about the same guy that says to this day, still doesn't want a Space Jam 2 release because he's like, I, I did the one and only. So Michael, as we know, is kind of that guy. It's me, me, me. And, you know, when the LeBron doc comes out or... You know, dare I say, I've been hearing some great rumblings about a Kobe doc that is probably going to happen sooner than later. And you have to figure MJ is going to be interviewed for that. That's yeah. going to be an interesting one to get his perspective on because I don't think there's ever been a player that's exemplified what uh, Michael has been about in terms of a winner on the court than Kobe. Sure. No, they're, they're, they're very similar players in that aspect. And, and even, you know, in their play styles, they were. And uh, if there's a Kobe one, that one will probably be the best one of all of them. Yeah, no doubt. And again, we're getting way off topic. So hopefully all the Beavers Edge fans didn't click off the second and I, the second Jared and I started talking about entertainment. We like to keep things light here on the Edge podcast. And it's always right. nice to talk about uh, some different things other than just sports. So uh, again, Jared, I appreciate uh, you stepping on with us here and uh, uh, talking about Sam Vidlak, uh, your TV shows, your favorite fishing spots on the Ozark Lake. Even yeah, though it's no not in Ozark, I'm, I'm going to have to go tell people that now, that it was filmed in Georgia, because that's so cool. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Go ahead. I said, I'll send you a picture when we get off here. Oh, that's dope. Okay, for sure. So, again, we we thank everyone for listening. And, again, make sure to keep it locked to beaversedge.com, as you've been able to see. There's been no off days for us at Edge as we continue to have – Great content across the board, whether it be, you know, Jonathan Smith uh, joining Herm Edwards and Chip Kelly. Again, I would encourage anyone to go and check out that clip at Beaver's Edge if you haven't already. Great interview between those three head coaches. Uh, love that. Um, between Q&As with the coaches, recruiting updates from Jared. Jared had a great story earlier this week with uh, Mission Viejo coach Chad Johnson talking about Easton Mascarenas. Over and over again, uh, we got great content coming up, so make sure to keep it locked to beaversedge.com for all the latest uh, Oregon State news, and we'll also have more um, opening news as it relates to COVID-19 as well. But for Jared Hallis, this is Brendan Slaughter signing off on the Edge podcast. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone, and we'll talk to you soon.